back and we've missed you and uh, we know that you've been watching online but it's just not the same as gathering together and uh, being together and assembled together and uh, looking forward to a great day back to our regular schedule and I just feel like preachers done a great job of making sure we're cautious making sure we're doing uh, being careful making sure that we're taking everything that we need I'll say this there's mask in the back there's a sanitizer uh, police yourself this auditorium is nice and big uh, spread out as far as you want to spread out for Sunday school but it's good to be back um, I think that we should just start off like we would it's been a little bit of time since we've had prayer requests and so I want to hear what's on your heart this morning. James reminds us to bear one another's burdens. And so we want to take a few moments and do that. Um, we do have an announcement about this coming Wednesday, this coming Wednesday morning. If you're retired and able to, or even if you want to take the morning off, we're going to get together at uh, Cracker Barrel this, uh, this coming Sunday morning or Wednesday morning at 930. Uh, you can either meet here at the church at 9 or 9.30 at the Cracker Barrel on 54th. We're just going to have a time of fellowship um, and looking forward to that. And so if you'll mark that on your calendars. But somebody give me a prayer request, a praise, or something you'd like to share. Brother Glenn? Pray for my brother's in critical condition. Definitely pray for What's his name? Kenny. We definitely pray for Kenny. Yes, sir. Um, my wife and I are visiting here. Awesome. And we're trying to figure out what your Sunday schools are about. Okay. I don't, just because we've been a little out of the loop as far as everybody's been doing their own online classes. Right now, we're going through the life of Moses, um, and uh, I'm sure that every class is kind of doing something like that, different book or different uh, study on a person, but uh, right now, we're in the life. What's your name? Howard Hayes. Howard Hayes. It's good to have you. Any prayer requests this morning or anything you'd like to share? Definitely pray. What's her name? Sorry. What's her name? Amanda. Amanda. Pray for Amanda this week, a nine-month-old grandbaby. Yes, Miss uh, Vicky. Okay, so my sister Sarah Whitfield, um, who was admitted to the hospital yesterday with some kidney disease and heart issues, and then my niece, uh, who was admitted last night to the hospital for a gallbladder. Goodness, I definitely pray. Anybody else? Don't want to leave anybody out this morning. Oh, sorry, Miss Karen. My peripheral's off. You'd think I have a mask on, you know? Well, what I have next though is your request, but I also have a praise. I'm here. Yes, it's good to have you here. We're glad that you're back and in your place. When, uh, when I was up in the, the music practice, I looked out and no one had filled in this side of the auditorium at all. So I was like, man, we, half of our church, half of our class left, you know, but uh, good to see this side filling in a little bit. And it's good to have Miss Carolyn back and we want to keep our distance, make sure she's nice and safe. She comes in that door and right out that door and sits right there at that chair, but it's good to have her back and um, doing so well. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Brother Gary. Surgery's coming. Definitely be praying. Any relief from the last one? I'll definitely be praying. Yes, sir. Our president and the nation. 
president and the nation. Anybody know how many days? Anybody keeping up with that? Definitely be praying for the election. Anybody else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll jump right in this morning. Father, we do thank you for our, your goodness to us. Lord, it's good to be back. It's good to have uh, assembled back together again. And Lord, we ask that you give us uh, wisdom, give us protection, but then, Father, help us, Lord, to forget all the stuff that's going on this morning, all the crazy that's out there, and just kind of focus on ourselves, Lord, and focus on our relationship. Father, help us, Lord, desire to be where you'd have us to be, Lord. I know that you're doing things in our hearts and lives at all times. And Father, they're not always pleasant things. They're not always things that uh, we want to go through. But Father, you're doing them all for our good and our gl- your glory. And Lord, we ask that you'd be with each of these situations. Lord, we think about Kenny this morning. Lord, we think about Amanda. We think about uh, Sarah and uh, this uh, niece of Vicky's Lord. Each of these that are going through difficult health battles. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'd be with them, and Father, we think about Miss Carolyn, what a praise it is to have her back in her place. Lord, we think about Gary, Lord, as he has uh, more surgery coming. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, work with those that team, Lord, give him relief. And then, Father, we do think about our country, we think about our nation, Lord, we think about, um, Father, the fact that... Uh, We've got to be the ones, Lord, that are praying. We're so thankful for Scott Pauley's messages that he brought. And, Father, it starts right here. It starts with us, not even as a Sunday school class or as a church, but, Father, as individuals uh, getting right and getting uh, to a place where, uh, Father, then you can work through us and begin revival in our hearts and life. And, Father, that how that would spread. And, Father, we pray for our president and our leaders, Lord, even locally here. Lord, we pray that you continue um, to use those, Lord, that are fighting for right. And Father, we'll give you the praise. Father, bless today. Thank you for the time that we can come back together and we'll give you the praise for all that you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, turn your Bibles to Exodus. Exodus in your Bibles, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter number 33 is where we'll start. Uh, 33, And I want to kind of give you a little bit of a, a rewind because I know that some of you probably... Um, have not been able to see all of the lessons or you've missed some or um, I'll say this these two right here uh, once they figured out that we were doing uh, online uh, recording they started coming to the recording so I had two people that were here listening most of the time and so that was a blessing but um, basically we've been studying the life of uh, Moses which is really a study through the book of Exodus and as we've gone through this book of Exodus Um, we've seen a lot that God has used Moses to do, and we understand that way back at the burning bush, there was a lot of hesitation from Moses, and uh, we could be like that. That happens to us. We get that, um, that, Josh, if you could turn me down a little bit. I don't know if we're a little loud for the class behind us, but I would assume so. It seems loud. I like loud, but I feel bad for them, you know what I mean? Um, And so as we're going through the study, we see that Moses, God tells him, I'm going to use you. And boy, whenever that spotlight is turned on us, we immediately start to back up. We immediately start to make excuses. And that's what we see Moses do. And almost for a whole chapter, he begins to dispute with the Lord and tell the Lord why he's not the one that should be doing this, why he's not the one that should be chosen. And God gets to the point where he says, who made your mouth? Stop telling me that you can't speak. Who made your mouth? And uh, it was just a great reminder for us that um, God's not going to give us a, a mission, that he won't also equip us to do that mission. 
God made our mouths and God made our bodies and God made our minds and God's given us life and he's given us breath and he's given us another day. Um, we've got to take that lesson that we've learned as we look at this life of Moses and say, if God gives me something, he'll also equip me to do it. And I believe this, I believe that in the days ahead, God's going to ask us specifically to do some things and if we're not careful, we'll sit in our pew and we'll start to think about everyone else who should do that. When God is telling us, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And we'll begin to excuse it. We'll begin to talk, think about our age or we'll think about our health or we'll think about all of these things. If God begins to touch our hearts to do something for him, he will equip us to do it. So as we look at Moses, we see that he finally gets to the point where uh, Moses, God gets frustrated with Moses and says, Okay, I'm going to tell Aaron, and then Aaron's going to tell you, and then you're going to tell the people. And we talked about the fact that that was kind of like that game of telephone um, that we used to play when we were younger. And uh, that's exactly what starts to happen. God begins to tell Moses, and then Moses would go to Aaron. And I think at that point, Moses started to feel a little bit ashamed about all of those excuses and all of those things, because now Aaron's involved, and Aaron's there as well. And so we see, and we've walked through the fact that God uh, uses Moses, God uses Aaron to go to Pharaoh over and over and over again. And uh, they go to Pharaoh, and God begins to send these signs and these plagues. And then he begins to just plague the uh, Egyptians and the Israelites. The whole, the whole nation of Israel is watching as God begins to work. And God begins to do what's ultimately going to free them from being slaves. Then we see that awesome time at the, uh, the Red Sea where God divides the Red Sea. And um, the Bible says specifically there that um, their enemies would be seen no more. Pharaoh and those 600 men, there's no longer going to be anybody that's pursuing you from Egypt. You are free um, you're free. And they get there and uh, chapter, the chapter right after the dividing of the Red Sea, right after their enemy is destroyed, we see that there's rejoicing. And for a whole chapter, they praise the Lord. They, they sing a song and they just give praise to the Lord for defeating their enemy. And over and over again in that chapter, uh, they begin to say, they, they thank the Lord for what he had done. And they specifically talk about what God has done. We talked about the fact that it's so important for us to remember the things that God has done. Amen. To write those things down. Because Satan's greatest desire is to come into our heart, come into our life, and have us forget what God's done in the past. And lie to us about what our position is now and what God has for us in the future. And that's great, Satan's greatest desire. And we see it kind of takes place here that uh, just the next chapter they begin to complain. God has done all of these things to show himself real in their life. And they begin to complain and they make the statement, it would be better if we were back in Egypt. It's one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible as we study it uh, because they've, if anyone had seen God's power, can you imagine as you were walking through on dry land and those walls of water were there and then your whole, your whole nation gets through and then God destroys the nation that's coming after you? They completely spoiled the Egyptians. The Egyptians um, went through all of those plagues and then took, they took all of their gold and silver with them and then they destroyed their army. And that ought to have been a good day. There ought to have been some excitement there that the God of heaven is with us. The God of heaven is on our team. And one chapter, about two months after that dividing of the Red Sea, they begin to complain and say, I wish that we were back in Egypt. 
the last few times that we talked, Moses has been given the Ten Commandments. Um, he'd been up in the mountain with, uh, with the Lord, and he comes back down, and Joshua is with him. And Joshua says, it sounds like there's a war in the camp. There's a hearing all this racket. They're hearing all this. And um, it wasn't a war. There was music and there was dancing and there was a, an idol that they had built. Moses had been gone for a while and they just assumed that he was gone. And um, they built this golden calf and said, this is the God that delivered us out of the land of Egypt. Isn't it amazing how fast our thinking gets uh, demented? how fast we get twisted, how fast we get off course if we're not careful. Um, they said that statement. They made this God. They took their earrings. They took their, their gold, their silver that they had taken from Egypt, and they made this calf and then said, this is the God that delivered us from Egypt. Man, we get really off course if we're not careful and we don't remember who we are and who he is. Well, Moses, as we know, he takes those Ten Commandments and he breaks them and... Um, as we look at today's passage, let's begin in chapter number 34. We're going to look at verses number 1 through 3. We see the promise of God, the promise of God. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up thence, thou with thy people which thou art brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed I will give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, we're in chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. Uh, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, and unto the land of the milk of, unto the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And so we see here the promise is once again uh, laid out. The promise of God is this that we're not just headed to a destination that's unknown. God continues to lay out that I have something for you. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying the, ser the uh, services on Wednesday night as we talk about heaven. We talk about no more sea. We talk about no more tears. And that list just keeps getting better and better as we talk about heaven. I'm so glad that we're not just here in this Christian life. And that we don't understand that there's a destination. We don't understand uh, why we do what we do on a daily basis. I'm so glad that God lays out and He gives us, there is a destination. There is, there is something that we're working toward. There is a final destination. And for the children of Israel, while on this earth, there was that land flowing with milk and honey. So this chapter starts off with that reminder of the promise. That every day may not be the day, but there's coming a day when you're going to enter into this land that I'm promising you, this land that's coming. As a Christian, man, I get excited about the fact that there's going to be no more seed, there's going to be no more tears, and that there is coming a day, and it may not be today, but there is a day where we at our destination. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. So we see the promise of God in verses number 1 through 3. We also see the power of God. Um, if you notice here, it says, I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite. Uh, he goes through all of these other nations, all of these other people that would be there that would try to stop them, that would try to get into their way. And I'm thankful this morning that we have a God who protects us. We have a God who cares for us. If there's anything that we should be learning from this life of Moses is that we need to put down our swords. 
We need to stop trying to be the one that figures it out. Stop being the ones that's trying to, to fight. Stop trying the ones that are trying to um, get everything done in our own power. Over and over again, the Israelites watched God fight their battles for them. Did they have a plan? They were trapped. They had nowhere to go. They, and those, those Egyptians were coming, but once again, they were able to watch as God delivered them. We serve an all-powerful God. I love this fact, and I say it a lot. We have an all-knowing God who's all-powerful. That means that He knows our situation, and He has the power to change it. A few moments ago, we took prayer requests, and as we were going through those prayer requests, I know that there's a lot of other prayer requests. I know that in this room, there represents a lot of burdens. There represents a lot of heartache. There represents a lot of stuff that we're going through. And as we look at that... I want to remind you that we serve an all-knowing, all-powerful God. And if we're not careful, Satan comes in and he wants us to think that God has forgotten us, that God doesn't have a plan for us, that there's no final destination, and that everything is bad. But a reminder this morning that God knows your situation and he has the power to change it. And he's, and he's got that power. God is a God of power. We see that again in verse number 1 through 3. But then he also says in verse number 3, uh, For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. He says, I will not go up with thee. So uh, we see a, a conflict here that, boy, we've got to live right. We understand that the Israelites continually um, are, are, are backsliding and continually complaining and doing all of these things. So we see the power of God. But then we see the preparation for God. Verse number four is an interesting verse here as we move forward. And when the people heard these things, these evil tidings, they mourned. And no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people, I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment, and consume thee. Therefore put now off thine ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do with thee. Over and over again, as we look at the chapters that, where God is speaking to Moses, he's talking about, have no other gods. Have no other gods. They should be worshiping no one but me. I am a jealous God. And as I studied out these ornaments, these ornaments were uh, things that they had made with the gold uh, from the Egyptians. And these ornaments were things that they would actually wear, almost like a necklace or uh, some type of uh, jewelry, and they would have this gold ornament on, and it was something that they were actually worshiping. It was something that had great value to them, something that they were valuing more than they were valuing God. And so we see the preparation for God. God says, boy, I've told you over and over again, no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no other graven images. And so the Bible says that there was a preparation here that in order to experience that power, in order to experience uh, the presence of God, boy, we've got to make some action in our life. Take some action. And so today, I don't think anybody, as they were getting ready, uh, were worshiping anything that we put on. Uh, somebody mentioned my shoes. I picked up these shoes, uh, and uh, I don't actually like them, but they're the only gray shoes that I have, so I wore them, okay? <laughs> but I didn't worship these as I put them on this morning. Um, there, was, there was nothing that I put on that I'm like, oh, man, I'm putting so much great value in that this morning. But that was something that they were doing with this gold that they had taken from the Egyptians. And they were valuing it and they were worshiping it almost like that calf, even though that calf had been destroyed. 
Now they have these ornaments that they had on, and they were putting great value in them and worshiping them. We see the preparation for God is, boy, we've got to get the things out of our life that are in the wrong position. The things that are in the wrong position. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If we're not careful, we're adding all these things and putting God on the back burner. And that's what was happening here. And so when God says that He's going to come in the midst of them and consume them, it's because they're still worshiping false idols. They're still putting a high preference on something, an ornament, is what the Bible calls these, these devices that they've made, these jewelries that they've made. Versus, yes. Mm-hmm. What he had Moses do when Moses came back down, they actually ground up that, that calf. They burn it, they ground it up, and then they had the people drink it. And so that gold is gone, and that was, uh, it was kind of their punishment for what they had done. And so there was just more gold left over. When they left Egypt, uh, the Lord said to go to all the Egyptians and ask them for their gold and silver. And so they actually took a lot of gold and silver with them. And so these ornaments were just uh, things that they had made with the leftover gold and silver. So when they made that calf, they didn't give all, you know what I mean? They brought some of what they had. And so different gold, um, but still an issue. High preference on that gold. They're putting that before the Lord. Next, we see the presence of God, verses 7 through 10. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered the tabernacle that a cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw a cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And so we see the presence of God. And I think it's kind of interesting here that uh, Moses takes this and he takes it away from everything else that's going on in his life. He takes the tabernacle and he sets it up and he sets up his tabernacle. This would be kind of like our quiet time. This is our time with the Lord, the time that we've carved out in our day to spend in his word and to hear from him. And uh, he has to take it away from everything else that's going on. If you read back at verse number seven, it says he takes it afar off. Afar off, because um, a few weeks ago I talked about prayer and I talked about the fact that George Mueller sometimes would have to stay on his knees for 45 minutes to an hour before he could just completely shut down his brain about everything else that was going on. And we've all been there where we kneel down and we're getting ready to pray and every thought you can think comes into our head. And Satan's trying to distract us from doing what we're supposed to do. And so I kind of see that same thing here as Moses begins to get ready to worship the Lord and spend some time with the Lord. He says, Sets up afar off from his family, sets up afar off from all the distractions and everything that would maybe uh, take him away from his time with the Lord. And I think that's so important. And then we see here the desire of the presence of God. I think it's interesting that um, there were some people that went with him. 
There were some people that wanted to be close to the presence of God. They wanted that for their own life as well. And uh, the question this morning is, do we have a desire to be in the presence of God? This morning, as you were getting ready for church, I hope there was a little bit of excitement. Number one, that we're able to meet together again. But then number two, was there a little bit of excitement that we're going down to worship and we're going to be in the presence of God? The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. This morning, we have the awesome opportunity to worship the Lord together and have His presence here with us. Do you desire the presence of God in your life? There was a group of people that followed Moses. There was a group that wanted to be close and wanted to have that presence of God on their life. The truth of the matter is we want the promises of God, but a lot of times we don't really want the presence of God. We want all the promises. Boy, we love the fact that the Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We love the fact that God says that He's going to be with us. We love the fact that it says He's going to protect us. We love the fact that He's going to provide for us. We love the fact all the promises we love... But a lot of times we want the promises of God without the presence of God. Because when we have the presence of God, it always makes us look at ourselves a little bit. Right. And we remember who we are. And we remember who He is. And boy, the, the, when we are in the presence of God, it's a very humbling time. And a lot of times we want all the promises and we want all the, the stuff that comes with God. Boy, we say, I love all of this, but the very presence of God is a little bit uncomfortable for me. Because it really shines a light on my sinful condition. And that even my good, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. So we see the presence of God. Do you desire the presence of God in your life? We see the position of God. I love this in verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into his camp, but the servant of Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Do you notice what that first part of that verse says? The first part of that verse says, And the Lord spake to Moses face to face, as a man speaketh to his friend. Man, when our ornaments are dealt with, when we've got God in the right position in our life, the Bible says that relationship becomes awesome. He's speaking face to face as a man speaketh to his friends. What's the difference between most of the children of Israel and Moses? Most of the children of Israel still got their ornaments. They took them off, but they didn't get rid of them. They still had a high priority in their life. There was still stuff that wasn't right. There was still stuff that they knew they were supposed to deal with that they hadn't dealt with. So yes, they had those ornaments off. They didn't get rid of them. The difference here is that Moses' relationship with the Lord is right. He has no ornaments. He has nothing that's placed a, a higher priority than God in his life. And when that's the case, the position of God is we talk to Him face to face as a man talketh to his friends. I just think that's an awesome picture that we see there in verse number 11. That the position of God is that He's not just ready to consume us. God loves us. He cares for us. He does want to protect us. He does want to provide for us. He does want to uh, uh, fulfill all those promises that He gives us. 
But a lot of times it's us who are away. It's us who are unwilling to get rid of those ornaments. And we'll take them off for a short period of time, but boy, we're not getting rid of them. They have too much of a priority in our life. The position of God, He spoke to him as a friend. The preparation of God. I like this in verse number 11 as well. We've been seeing Joshua's name a lot. We've been seeing Joshua's name a little bit more and more as we go through this study. But we see it again here in verse number 11. And he turned again to the camp, talking about Moses, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Moses is there and Moses has been that leader, but there's another young man who's learning to spend time with God, who's learning uh, the right way to have the presence of God and the promise of God. And uh, we see that, that Joshua spends some time here and that Moses wasn't alone, but there Joshua is still on his knees and Joshua is still there and departed not out of the tabernacle. We see the preparation that God is doing in this young man's heart and life. Who's our next leader going to be? Who do we always see around the presence of God? Boy, we see that young man, Joshua, that God is bringing along. We see the permission of God in verse number 18. Verse number 18, there's a, a request that's given, and God says this, and, um, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Uh, that's the request. Moses wants to see the glory of God. And in verse number 19, he said, I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to thee, whom I am gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me. And live, and so we see here that there's this uh, request that's asked, and Moses says, "I want to see um, your glory." And the question that I just wrote under there, and I apologize for not having a screen this morning. I sent the PowerPoint to the men, and it just didn't go through for some reason. Uh, but the the question is, do you desire to see God? Same question that we had earlier. Do you desire to see God? And Moses has that desire; he wants to see Him. And then we see the the permission of God, he, he, he allows him to see him, um, the product of time with God. And this is really where I want to spend uh, the rest of our time this morning. In verses number 30 and 33, we see, uh, we see that, that God, uh, spent, or Moses spends time with God. And in chapter number 34, verses 30 through 33, is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And so we see here that Moses is now spending more time with the Lord. The Lord passes before him with his glory. And after Moses has spent time with the Lord, there's an eternal, an external evidence and an internal evidence. 
There's an external evidence that he had spent time with God, and there's an internal evidence that he spent time with God. I believe this. When we're right with God, it shows on our face. And we can fake it for a little while. We can come in, and we can smile, and we can, uh, we can, we can look the part for a couple of hours. But can I say this, that when you're spending time with God, and you've taken the ornaments in your life, and you've got them in their right position, and you're seeking God first in your life, um, that's going to show up externally in your life. Your countenance is what the Bible says. Over and over again, it talks about somebody's countenance. And their countenance had fallen. And their countenance had fallen. You know what that's talking about? That's not talking about um, that inward. That's talking about the outward. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is an external thing. That's something that only can be given by God. And we see here that there's an external touch that, that happens to Moses when he spends time with God. It doesn't just affect you internally. It also affects you externally. Boy, it was obvious that there was something different about Moses to the point where they, wanted to, they didn't want to be around him. They were a little bit nervous when they got around Moses because, uh, boy, he, was, he, he had that glow on his face. And the Bible says that he had to call unto him. And then they came over and then he talked to him. But while he talked to him, he had to cover his face. Boy, there ought to be an external difference and there ought to be some evidence in our, in our external appearance that we have spent time with the Lord. That we've dealt with those ornaments and those things that sneak up in our life and those things that try to take precedence in our life and those, uh, those uh, lies that Satan would bring to us that there's other things that would help us. And we put all of that beside and we spend time with the Lord. There's an external evidence, but then there's an internal evidence. And I love this, that every time that Moses goes and spends time with the Lord, then he comes back and he begins to share it. He begins to tell when you've been spending time with the Lord, you'll have a message for other people. You'll have something to share. But if you've been at the same job for year after year after year after year, and you've never been able to speak about what God's doing in your heart, what God's doing in your life, boy, there's an issue there. There's a problem there. There ought to be an over. The Bible says it like this. Your cup runneth over. That means there's enough for you. But there's so much that you begin to spill out. You begin to talk about uh, what God is doing in your heart, what God is doing in your life. And you begin to tell other people. If you look at verse number uh, 33, until Moses had done speaking with them. Um, again, in verse number 34, the Lord began to speak with him. Then he goes and talks, and he spake unto the children of Israel, which we was commanded. As we get things from the Lord, our job is to then go share it with other people. The problem oftentimes is we're not getting anything from the Lord. We've not set up our tabernacle afar off. But we've got to get away from all of the distraction and all of the stuff that would bog us down, that would take our time, that would take our distraction, that would keep us from spending that time with the Lord. The first thing that Moses did was he said, oh, I'm not going to set up this tabernacle. I'm going to set up my time where I spend with the Lord I'm going to have a separate place and a separate time away from everybody else because I understand that I need that for myself. I need to make sure that I'm right. 
And even though I may not have an ornament, there may be something else. There may be some bitterness. There may be some things that I've held on to. There's stuff that's in my life that maybe not everybody can see as big, at like you could those ornaments. But maybe I've harbored something or maybe there's a secret sin or maybe there's something going on in my life that I've allowed to be there. Moses said, man, I'm going to go spend time with God alone. There must be a time in our day where we've just carved it out. We've got so many distractions and so many things that would keep us from hearing from the Lord. Satan's greatest desire is for you to go through another day, go through another week, go through another month, go through another year, and not spend time with the Lord. When we spend time with the Lord, it's going to affect us externally, but it's going to give us a message. And we're going to be able to share with other people what God is doing. Tomorrow as you go back to work or as somebody calls you and says, how was your weekend? It happens all the time. It's just something that people ask. How was your weekend? Don't just say good. Man, begin to tell them what God has done in your heart, what God has done in your life, what God is doing at your church. And we begin to take those things that God gives us and we impart them to other people. Father, we're so thankful for your word this morning, Lord. The product of time with God. Lord, help us to remember that there is a, there is a, a, a promise, Lord, that you give us and there is a product that... We get when we just take that time and we spend it with you. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to make sure that we don't have those ornaments, those visible things, obviously, but then, Father, that we're right with you. And that, Father, we can turn to you and talk to you face to face as a friend. Father, help us, Lord, to this week just determine we're going to set up a tabernacle. We're going to set up a time away from our brothers, away from our family, away from uh, all the distractions and all the stuff and just spend time with you face to face as a friend. Father, we're so thankful this morning that you're all knowing and you're all powerful and you, have the, you, you know our situation, you have the power to change it, but Father, help us to make sure that we are in the right place so that we can spend that time with you. Father, help it to, to affect us externally so other people know that there's a difference about us. But then, Father, help us to share everything that you're doing in our hearts and lives with anyone who will listen. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got just a couple of minutes before our next service. Thank you so much for being here. Invite somebody to Sunday school next week. You are dismissed. God bless you.